This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him in their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. Well, today is the Feast of St. Maximilian Kolbe, and this is an important day for me because uh, he chose me to be uh, to be my patron saint. I, he didn't choose me to be my own patron. He chose me and is my patron saint when I, uh, when I was confirmed. I was confirmed under the name Maximilian Kolbe, and, and I tell you, he went to all kinds of lengths uh, to make sure that that happened, and that's a story I'll tell you here in a little bit. Um, but... Uh, the way things happen today is that the, all of my scheduling, my best, my best efforts at scheduling, I had this grand idea of just kind of elaborating on the life of of Saint Maximilian Colby and getting someone who knows all about him uh, to join us, a, a, a Franciscan conventual, uh, same order that he was, to come and share with us all about his life and his ministry in Japan and the amazing things that happened there, his his work with. Uh, with printing presses and with a magazine that he put out, uh, in addition to the things that we already know about him um, from from his vision as a young child to uh, his martyrdom at Auschwitz, I had all of these great plans, and uh, and none of them worked out. <laughs> and I, I always find uh, that God has exactly the conversation that that He wants even when it's not the one that I want necessarily was planning on having. So today, instead of talking all about uh, the life of St. Maximilian Kolbe in ways that I couldn't enumerate very well, we're going to talk about one specific part of his life and the implications that that has for us. And to share in this conversation is the person who walked this journey with me as I came into the Catholic Church and has watched it and has watched the, the, um, the unfolding of what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we're joined today by my bride, Kristen. Thank you for joining us. Of course, love. I'm very happy to be here. So, um, as I, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with the story of how Saint Maximilian Colby chose me because he did totally. He, he went after you hard, hard. <laughs> so here's here's the thing. I, the saints was one of those things I really was kind of uncertain about as I was coming into the church. Um, I. I knew that the Catholic Church was true. And so I could get to that place as a convert coming into con- uh, confirmation, that profession of faith. I believe and profess all that the Holy Catholic Church teaches, believes, and proclaims to be revealed by God, or something there along those lines, if I'm maybe a word off or something. But um, I, I could say that with with certitude because I knew that the Church was true I just wasn't a hundred percent comfortable with the fact that the church was true in all of those <laughs> ways, um, and so there were some certain things that I knew that I was going to get around to. I didn't disagree with the church. I just didn't know how to appropriate it. So when it came time to pick a patron saint, and I was going to come forward and I was going to make that, and then they were going to confirm me with that name, I was going to pick one of the apostles, somebody out of the Bible who I just knew, right? I knew a hundred percent. I'm going to go back into the first century, pick someone there who I admired. And I was leaning really heavily towards, uh, towards St. John, the evangelist, because I, I have an affinity for him and his writing and, and his relationship uh, with Jesus. And so that was my plan. And then uh, this this thought popped into my head. Well, okay, but what are the things that matter to me? What are the things that are important to me um, that that I might want the intercession of a saint 
four. And, you know, that's a nice, safe thought. Oh, I wonder who the, it manifests like this. I wonder who the patron saint of X is. And so I went looking for who's the patron saint of families. Because I knew coming into the church that one of the things that I wanted to be about and wanted to direct my career in uh, at that point in time was marriage and family life. I'd come out of being a a music director in the Protestant church for over a decade, uh, right about a decade. And and so I knew that this new phase of life was going to be centered around marriage and family. So I'm like, oh, who's the patron saint of families? So I went over to catholic.org, saints and angels. They've got the all of these different um, ways to look up patron saints and the biographies of saints. You can look by the month or by their feast day or by their patronage. So I went looking. And there were a couple of people and I read their stories. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. And then I came to St. Maximilian Colby. And uh, he stood out to me starkly because he poured out, he made great sacrifice and poured out his life at the end of his life for the sake of another family. And that really spoke to me. And God had been working on me for a while, getting me to this place of coming into ministry with marriage and family. So that really kind of stood out to me and and emblazoned itself in my mind. So I'm like, all right, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do not a an ancient saint. We're going to do this this modern saint, which was already, not, and not just any modern saint, like within the last, you know, within the last century. Right. Modern saint. And so here I am saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to go for this marriage and family. This is a big deal. Um, later I came to find out there's all kinds of connections because I've been involved in publishing. I've been involved in graphic design. I've been all of these things that he's also the patron saint of. Um, but here early on, it was this patron saint of family that really stuck out to me, but, but I wanted him to be my patron saint without taking the name, right? I wanted to be confirmed as my given name because, because, right? So I made sure to tell the priest, Father Jack, I really, uh, I, I want to be confirmed as my name. And I gave that out and I we kind of went over it and it's like, all right. Well, he remembered that there was a very specific thing that I want to be confirmed at, <laughs> but he completely flipped it and did not say my name at all. He only confirmed me as Maximilian Colby, and I can just picture, <laughs> I can just picture um, the saints and angels kind of uh, chuckling to themselves as my best laid plans in all these different ways at my confirmation did not work out the way I wanted. <laughs> so, um, so here is Saint Maximilian Colby, whose life I'm still learning about, who's who who this relationship of the communion of saints, I'm still trying to figure out. But one of the things that really stands out to me that I want to talk with you about today is the, the concept of the choice. And we talked about this, Kristen, um, when we were doing marriage prep, um, not, not our own marriage, but when we were doing the preparation for the diocese of Tulsa with, with hundreds of couples that came through. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about the importance of a choice, specifically in marriage, um, because so many people today uh, go through a period of cohabitation before they get married. In the research, there's some wonderful research that I can link to on our social media, um, says that 
there is a danger in that specifically for, for any number of reasons, even outside of the moral implications of that. There are dangers to the marriage for that because of how that often happens is someone will slide into that relationship. You just get a little bit closer and closer and eventually you forget that you were ever not together. And the, uh, I think it's Dr. James Healy uh, has this beautiful uh, study on this. And he says, what, what ends up happening is you end up staying with that person so long as it's easier to stay than to leave. And, and depending on how intertwined your lives become, that can be a, a high bar or a low bar. But eventually, when you slide into that relationship, there's going to come a point where it will be easier to leave than to stay. And if there's not that definitive choice, this is the life I've set out for myself, then it's much easier to just walk away when, when that time comes. And so I'm reminded um, of this thing from our marriage. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I do. Uh, our first year of marriage was... Oh, it was good. We had a really good first year. I, uh, well, uh, our relationship was good. <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> our you go. circumstances surrounding ourselves was not great. No. Uh, like what, what, how many times did you move across the country in our first year of marriage? Oh, my goodness. Well, do we count we from count, we count college when, yes. to moving to where you were? So that's one. Right. And then from there, that was there's two, there to Texas, three, and there to, I, no, I think it's four, 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 four times. In our in first year. year of marriage, we, <laughs> we moved across the country. And not just like across town. No. No, across, like driving, you know, pack up the whole Penske, everything has to be in the truck. You can't take more than one trip kind of yeah. moving. Yes. Four, four times. Four times. And somewhere along that, she, she had this uh, picture of us from our wedding and got this double frame, this lovely double frame, and she calligraphed, if that's a word. <laughs> I think it should be a word. It should be a word. You calligraphed our vows. I did. Well, <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's just, that's such a lovely sentiment. I, it was years later that I learned that it was a act of putting those vows in front of myself and reminding myself what I had vowed, but also just keeping it in the forefront. It was <laughs> keeping it around and remembering what we had chosen, what I had chosen. <laughs> I chose this. I chose this. <laughs> and and I meant it. And and to the point that in doing that, in writing those down, in, in going through that process on your own, I was none the wiser that <laughs> that this was even a thing. Right. It was. It was a very internal thing for me. And it I think through that, remembering the choice, um, there was a grace given through that. Mm -hmm. And we, we still have it sitting right over there. It's, I will it's say still that, around. That, that after all of these years of marriage, your calligraphy has gotten a little bit more grace-filled and flowy <laughs> and a little bit less daggery. Yeah, it was a little pointy. And, and the, some of that may have been some of the emotions behind <laughs> it. Some of it, though, was my lack of humility, which <laughs> I... Thought I I can do this. I know how to calligraphy things, and so I just did it without 
thinking about how should this look and <laughs> should I measure where the center of the line should be? And no, I mean, it's a mess, the whole thing, but it's meaningful. Kind, kind of like our first year. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> All over the place, a little bit pointy, uh, right? It's, a little uh, bit. A little bit. Uh, so one of the, you brought something up there that, that there's grace given in the choice. And I bring this up because growing up, um, holiness was all about, you know, you have to choose the right thing. You have to live a righteous life and you have to do so through the sheer act of your own will, mm. right? There's this sense that I have to live a holy life, that I've got to put in all the effort. And, um, and there's, there's this sense of, and if anything goes wrong, it's also my fault. So mm -hmm. there's this, this kind of beating oneself up when everything doesn't go exactly according to plan. And as I look at the life of St. Maximilian Kolbe, one of the first things that, that we talk about when we talk about his life is the vision that he had of the Virgin Mary coming to him and holding out two crowns in this vision, holding out a red crown and holding out a white crown. And he knew um, that just intuitively that the red crown meant that he would be martyred and the white crown meant that he would persevere in purity. And he knew that the, the Virgin Mary was coming and not demanding anything of him, but offering him the choice. Which, which crown do you choose? And, uh, and classic overachiever, he chose <laughs> both. Uh, he wanted both of those crowns. And so out of that choice, out of this young man receiving a vision... He then didn't have to make those things happen. It wasn't dependent upon him, just as it was in the vision where he was given the choice. It was still a gift to be received each day. It's not like, I, well, I got to put on my big boy pants and be a martyr today. It's when the opportunity for martyrdom approaches, when the opportunity to persevere in, in purity or not approaches, will I receive the grace in that moment to persevere in the choice or not. And as we're talking about this idea of the choice, um, there are some ways in which I'm really not the right person to talk about this, right? <laughs> like when, when we're talking about our marriage vows, I, I can hold that up and say, hey, we've done a pretty good job fist bump, right? <laughs> fist bump. Uh, but, but then there are other times where I'm like, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go walk every single day. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do all, I'm going to wake up early every morning. And, um, you know, I'm not so great at those things, <laughs> but I think that there's something about, uh, about allowing God to give grace in those choices, not to just say, Oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be the holiest person there ever was. Right. And I'm the, here's, here's my, here's my standard and I'm going to run for it. But rather to say, what are the what are the places that God is giving me a choice to receive a certain grace, like Mary offering those two crowns? And will I then receive it rather than saying, oh, well, this is the grace that, that I want from you. This is the way I want to succeed, God. Right. Letting God give that grace to you as opposed to you trying to take it, mm -hmm. maybe. You know, um, earlier maybe about two years ago, we had um, Father Simeon Spitz on the show. And he talked about, this was right about around uh, Lent. And he talked about 
Lent in the perspective of the journey through Exodus. And one of the things he said is that the the children of Israel had to follow the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud because there was a couple of things going on. God was teaching the children to trust him, but also these various moves that were being made wandering through the desert on the way to the promised land were helping them avert certain disasters that they would otherwise run into, certain conflicts that would arise if they just tried to make a beeline. And I think sometimes we hear God say, well, this is where I want to take you, the promised land or holiness or whatever the thing may be, and say, okay, that's where we want to go. Let's now, God, thank you for pointing the way. Thank you for telling me where we're going. I got it from here. And we just kind of cut straight through the desert and end up missing the places of oasis and running into conflicts that we otherwise wouldn't if we would just take the time to take it one step at a time, one day at a time, with the humility to follow rather than to say, I've got this on my own. So the too often when we see or when when if God tells us the end game, we we don't realize what has to happen before we can get there. Mm-hmm. That we think, okay, so I'm going to be holy. And so I'm just going to do it. And, and we don't go through what God needs us to go through to get to that place. There was a quote that I, I came across today, and I'm going to get it wrong, but it was from St. Rose of Lima, uh, who was saying, we have to go through hardship in order to be made holy. This is something that's part of the deal. Uh, and we tend to think of hardship as something to be uh, avoided as something at all costs, rather than something that that God will use to bring about His ends. You know, even the the book of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, we hear that verse all the time. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your good and not for your harm, plans to give you a future and a hope. But He's saying that immediately after He said, "I'm going to send you into exile for seventy years, and these are the plans that I have for you." these plans of exile, and these plans are plans for your good and not for your harm. These plans of exile are the plans to give you a future and hope. And we, all of a sudden, we don't like that verse as much anymore. <laughs> it's not quite as encouraging that it's, way, it's is it? Not. <laughs> but but in, in, in some ways it is because it means that God isn't surprised by our hardships and uh, God is actively working through those hardships to bring about our good that he hasn't left us in them to face our perils alone, but that he is walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's there in that place that we can say, as according to the psalmist, I fear no evil. So then let's take that and bring it back to the choice that we were talking about earlier, that when those hardships arise, it once you've made the choice before those hardships come up, that choice is already, it's it's done, it's made. And so then it becomes less about the, the hugeness of taking marriage, for example. Mm-hmm. It becomes less about, is this marriage going to last or not? Like that decision is made, it's done. So then it becomes, okay, so in this hardship, Lord, what do we do with this? And it's... It, he walks us through those challenges a little bit at a time and then through that perfects us 
and continues in, again, the case of marriage, perfecting the marriage as well to be more of a picture of what marriage is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found this, uh, the St. Rose of Lima quote. It's from the breviary uh, from August 23rd on our feast day. And she says, Our Lord and Savior lifted up his voice and said with incomparable majesty, let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know without the burden of afflictions, it's impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increase as the struggles increase. And let men take care not to stray and be deceived. This is the only true stairway to paradise. And without the cross, they can find no road to climb to heaven. We want to have a, a, a solid you know, a destination in hand and just kind of like, make steady progress toward it. Um, but living out here, you know, so for instance, living out when in the middle of the country, when we lived there in Oklahoma and Texas, where it was hotter than it is here, but there's air conditioning. It's also (laughs) flatter than it is here. So when you see a destination, you can proceed straight toward it. Right. And you can get there out here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, we can see Mount Baker from our house, lovely place. Uh, there is not a straight path to get there. And there are some times on the way there that you lose sight of the place where we're going, mm-hmm. right? And and yet even still, the destination is ahead of us. Even when we have to drive through valleys, even when things uh, seem uncertain and we have to, you know, you're going up a hill and we're like, all right, we're we're moving upward toward the mountain. And then all of a sudden you crest that hill and you go down and you take a curve and, and it it doesn't progress straight on. And I think that that's more a picture of our life toward holiness and, and our life toward the choice than, you know, pick a point in Kansas and say, I'm going to go there. And then you just kind of drive straight there. Right. So, and I mean, it's, it's the opposite of what we as, dare I say, as Americans specifically, (laughs) that, I mean, we, we want, there's the, the hope of what we want everything to be Mm -hmm. right. And you know, that if we do everything right, and if we make all of those right choices, the way that we're supposed to, then everything will line up just the way it's supposed to. And we will have that house and we will have, you know, those, that savings, that that, savings, that, that, that retirement, that, you know, all those things that we assume if we make these if we go on that road straight there, it will happen. Mm-hmm. And that's just not how it is. And and we get for so, everyone for everyone. Right. right. But it can come with such disillusionment mm-hmm. if there's not that choice made beforehand. You know, if we believe, well, because I have faith and everything is going to be peachy keen and I'm going to be fine and I'm going to have wealth and I'm going to have all this stuff. If that's where, our faith lies when that doesn't happen. Well, then if we never made that choice at the beginning to know that God has our back, no matter what circumstances around us look like, um, well, and, it can, and, and it's specifically that choice for, for a life in union with God, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are other choices that we could make. We could choose uh, God as a means to our end of happiness and not as the end of happiness itself. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen, you're talking about disillusionment. I've seen lots of people who, when God didn't answer their prayer in the way they expected, or when the valley of the shadow of death got a little too close or a little too real, 
They assumed that God had therefore abandoned them. Mm -hmm. And so God was no longer their ally and, and was no longer someone to be trusted. And this is the life uh, and the choice that were presented and that, that St. Maximilian Kolbe had was the choice for, for the prize to be that difficult thing. Uh, mm -hmm. martyrdom for, in his sake and and to persevere in purity. Neither one of those would be the traditional thing that we would think of as a crown. Oh, look at my great success, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yet this is what God's offering is come and embrace the cross. Come and embrace my kind of crown, a crown of thorns, mm -hmm. and find glory in that. And, and so now as we're going through that difficulty, we find union with God rather than being disillusioned at where is God. God's right there with us in the midst of those difficulties. Mm -hmm. Well, and we see that in scripture all over the place. But the one that came to mind while you were saying that was take up your cross mm -hmm. and follow me. You know, we, I feel like we kind of either romanticize that idea, but like if you really think about that phrase, take up your cross in the way that Jesus did, and you mm -hmm. think about the, the stations of the cross and think about what Jesus did through all of that and how he fell and then obviously died. And those are things that when we think take up a cross and we just kind of flit over that part of the verse that we don't really think about what that means for us in our lives and how that's part of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I, I look at as I'm looking at this idea of the choice is it's important to, to have the right choice and to really understand our place in that choice, that the right choice isn't, here's what I'm going to accomplish. The right choice is, um, help me to deny myself. Help me to recognize my cross for what it is, my salvation, my, my glorification, and help me embrace that. It's not, oh, well, uh, Lord, help me, help me be super holy and succeed, um, that's going to be the the end result, but that's not the choice. The choice is help me take up my cross, help me deny myself, help me follow you and receive the graces that you have for me each day, right? Give us this day our daily bread, right? Not, not that long distance thing out uh, of perfection, but simply help me do what I need to do today. And, you know, it, when we think about... Those, when we say today, give us today this daily bread and today what I need, you know, God knows us so very well. And to know that, you know, that day is all we can really handle or even just that moment. Mm -hmm. um, I know as a mom, that's definitely, it, sometimes it's a moment by moment thing <laughs> of, <laughs> of Lord, give me the grace that I need this moment i need it right now and and that he's constantly with us that he's not just some like out there all by himself looking down at us but that he's with us moment by moment by moment yeah we're talking today with my darling bride kristen putnam here on the feast of saint maximilian colby come over to social media facebook.com slash step outside the walls on twitter the handles at outside the walls tell me about your patron saint and what stands out to you about their life and their path to holiness. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. And here on the Feast of St. Maximilian Kolbe, my patron saint, we're talking about the choice, the choice to follow God and what that looks like. In the life of St. Maximilian Kolbe, he was given this choice early on. The vision of the Virgin Mary came and offered him two crowns, a red crown, which he knew intuitively symbolized uh, a life uh, that ended in martyrdom, and a white crown, which he intuitively knew meant uh, that he would persevere in impurity. And he chose to, pers- to, to pursue both crowns. So the question is, when we are offered a choice, sometimes it's rarely quite that, that um, striking of a choice that we're given, uh, and yet the results are the same. Uh, we have the same opportunity to pursue a life of holiness. Uh, and so, you know, we look at the lives of the saints and we, we sometimes uh, purify that picture. We look at them as if they are, um, if they're only and completely holy with, uh, with all kinds of human struggle and human emotion removed from them. Uh, and we see them in this kind of plasticine way that they couldn't do anything but be saints. And this is not the witness of the saints. The, the witness of the saints is that here you have humanity at its truest, fallen and, uh, and difficult and sometimes stubborn and sometimes cranky, uh, who, by the grace of God, were able to live lives that brought glory to God in some way or capacity, in spite of themselves, not because of themselves. And this, in this way, the, the, the lives of the saints truly mirror our own. We have the capacity to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow God. We have the capacity to choose to do the thing that benefits the other more than it benefits us. We have the opportunity to live a life devoted to and dedicated to God, um, if only we would choose it. But oftentimes we choose the things that are right in front of us that are a little bit easier to do. We choose, and I am guilty of this all day long, we choose to doom scroll on Facebook or Twitter. We choose to, uh, to not engage in conversation in a helpful way with our kids at dinner. We choose to get lost in whatever is the frustrating thing of the day and not to find ourselves searching out ways to glorify God in the midst of our difficulties, right? This choice of a life of holiness and a life of sanctity is ours to choose if we can recognize it, if we can identify those things that stand between us and that and ask God for the grace to make the appropriate choice for holiness. Going, Avoiding that that whole thing of white knuckling it and somehow trying to accomplish it on our own, realizing that it fully takes the grace and the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives in order to pull it off. And realizing too that, you know, our spiritual life is not separate from Mm -hmm. those difficulties that we're going through or our, our lives. And so, you know, in thinking about how do we pursue holiness, how do we pursue sanctity, it's how do we... How is the Lord calling us to do that 
in those conversations with kids at dinner, in those difficulties that we're walking through, not as if, oh, I need to go ignore all of my, my difficulties so I can pursue holiness. Because right. a lot of the time we do that, right? Like we take, like, here's my spiritual life and here's my rest of my life and they don't intersect. <laughs> and the thing is the spiritual life is your regular life. Like it, it, it's all absolutely intertwined and together. They cannot be separated. Or, or to go the different direction and say, God, I, I want to pursue holiness. I've got to get all these other things taken care of first. Mm-hmm. And th- this we actually even see in the gospels where uh, many people came up and said, Lord, I, I want to follow after you. Let me go and bury my, my parents first. Right? Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to follow after you. Let me take care of my affairs here on, on earth first. He's like, no, 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 no. You follow me. Let the other things take care of themselves. And I think that we do that. We say, well, here's all of the things that I have to get an order in my life and the, the ducks in which I have to line up in a row before I can truly dedicate as much of myself as I want to over to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got this up. Um, there's this litany of humility, which, uh, which I hate. <laughs> uh, but it's so good but it, well and so but it is it yes it's hard <laughs> it's not what i love about it specifically in the light of this conversation is it points out all the ways that we want the glory of sanctity for ourselves mm. right i want to achieve holiness uh in these ways and i want the credit for it so from the desire of being loved right deliver me jesus from the desire of being extolled deliver me jesus from the desire of being honored deliver me jesus from the desire of being praised deliver me jesus from the desire of being preferred to others deliver me jesus from the the desire of being consulted deliver me jesus from the desire of being approved deliver me jesus these are the things that we we want to be seen as holy because it brings with it uh, being loved and extolled and honored and praised and preferred to others and consulted and approved. But when you look at the lives of the saints, that's not always the case. You have people like St. Padre Pio who was suppressed for a while and wasn't able to do uh, ministry at all, was removed from that capability uh, and and was not loved or extolled or honored or praised or preferred to others or consulted or approved, right? Uh, and so if this, if that had been his metric for success, it would have been demoralizing. But his metric for success was being united to Christ and his sufferings. And, and to that end, he was able to receive the grace of God to persist in that holiness. Then from there, then it takes to the other side, right? From the fear of being humiliated, despised, of suffering rebukes, of being columnated, of being forgotten, of being ridiculed, for the fear of being wronged, for the fear of being suspected. Uh, Lord, deliver me, right? That others may be more loved, from the fear that others may be more loved than I. Jesus, deliver me. And then, that others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. Oh. <laughs> that, uh, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I be set aside. <gasps> Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. 
that others may be praised and I go unnoticed. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. And then just because, you know, the author of this knows our human condition all too well, that others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. (laughs) Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. This to me is that really a, a, a mirror by which we can look at our lives and look at whether or not we have made the right choice, right? Have we made the choice to follow God because of what we think it is or because of this list right here of what we know it will be to take up our cross and to deny ourselves and to chase after and follow after his glory. Even so, even if all of these things came about just as they're prayed in that prayer. If you're just joining us today, we're talking about this choice to pursue holiness here on the Feast of St. Maximilian Colby. We're talking, uh, if you can believe it, with my darling bride, Kristen Putnam. Hello, everyone. (laughs) You're still here. I am still here. (laughs) So I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, one, your own experience with this this choice in, in this pursuing holiness, uh, and then also the difficulty, the challenge of now trying to convince eight children that they should prefer, I'm going to get that word out, prefer the glory of another over their own. Oh. And, and, <laughs> and, and to prefer the success of, of another over their own success uh, I'm kind of thinking maybe we ought to start praying this litany of humility every night and making them do it, right? That may not be a bad idea. I mean, because <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it goes against everything that seems to come naturally. <laughs> um, and it's like I say that about myself as well. But yeah. yeah, I mean, trying to get eight children to realize that they don't have to grab at everything they think they need, like that they will be given what they need and, and specifically like from each other, even, you know, yeah. it just, it's my turn to pick a movie. So I have to snatch the remote. I don't have to like, instead of just being given the remote. Um, but, but I mean, isn't that the way that we all are? We, we, we act as if, everything that we desire is the only thing standing between us and drowning. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I have, to, I have to grasp for that and chase after that. Otherwise uh, I will perish. Right. Right. Well, and something that I've tried to, uh, to do with the kids specifically when, you know, it's like, if it's just all of them all at once <laughs> and they're, they're all, and it, it first results in lots of fighting and lots of strife in the house. And, just sitting them all down and helping them to or trying to help them realize that, you know, you could look at all of the, the arguments that are going on in the house today and realize that if each of you would be willing to give to each other, that everyone would get what they need and no one would be going without but right now everyone's trying to snatch everything and keep it all from themselves and 
and no one's getting anything that they need. <laughs> and right. so you're trying to figure out how to get them to, to switch that because it takes trust yeah, exactly. of the other eight people in the room that they're going to give because I mean, if they're, if you're in the mindset of, I have to get everything I need and I have to grab it for myself, um, switching into the mindset of, I will trust that others will give me what I need and I will give them what they need yeah. instead. Well, and here's what's a really interesting turnaround from that is that when we're talking about the choice for ourselves as grownups, as seeking holiness, the same thing is true, but the person we're not trusting isn't necessarily our neighbor. It's, I don't know that I really trust you, God, enough mm. that you're going to provide for me the things that I really need to be able to be holy. And I'm going to say it, we're going to go to mass and I'm going to, to give you praise and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to grasp for everything I need mm -hmm. because otherwise I won't get it. Right. Well, I mean, that's what tithing is for, isn't it? I mean, that, Ooh. that whole... Oh, you went from <laughs> preaching to meddling, girl. <laughs> but, but that whole concept of the first fruits, yeah. the 10% off the top, not after, well, I've got all these things that I need to do first. And then if I have any leftover, then I'll give that. And it takes immense trust. And I mean, I'll say that there are times in our lives that we've done better with that particular trust than others, but just mm -hmm. realizing that, you know, when you go ahead and skim that off the top at the very beginning, it always works out somehow. The numbers always work out. And I mean, that's, that's the same thing. And is, is that God's like training ground for the, <laughs> for the rest of, of our lives of, I will let go of this thing and trust that you will give me what I need. Mm -hmm. Well, so one of the little phrases that I have been giving to the kids a lot lately is um, just simpling all, simplifying all the rules of the house down to this phrase, make other people's lives easier. Mm. Make other people's lives easier, even if I finish off, even if it makes your life harder. And this is coming back to the life of St. Maximilian Colby. This is how he culminated his life, is in sacrificing himself for the sake of another and sacrificing himself for that family and saying, I'm going to make your life easier, even if it makes my life harder. God, grant me the grace to desire it. We've been talking about the life of St. Maximilian Colby with my darling bride and me talking too much. Uh, <laughs> Kristen Putnam, thank you, Kristen, for joining us. <laughs> of course, love. If you missed any part of that conversation or you want to go back and listen to it again or share it with your friends on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. You can also access them by going to our social media, Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls on Twitter. The handle's at OutsideTheWalls. And while you're there, leave me a comment about your patron saint and the way that their life lives out this very uh, consistent choice to follow God in, in the unexpected ways. We also have each and every week an extra segment that we give to all of those who help keep us on the air, our Patreon support community. This week, it's a little bit more. Normally, we do uh, just another audio segment, but this time, because my guest happens to be under the same roof, we uh, we did a little bit of a, a video segment that we'd love to share with you. Uh, to learn more about our Patreon support community and to become a member, go to OutsideTheWalls.com and click the Patreon link in the top right-hand corner of the page. Now let's take a look at our reading from Scripture 
and from church history. That's the sound of our Verbum Library launching up. Verbum helps you read scripture in light of church teaching, putting the magisterium right at your fingertips. You can learn more by going to verbum.com. Our reading from scripture today comes from today's reading from the Mass uh, on the Feast of St. Maximilian Kolbe. And it's from the book of Joshua and really, again, comes back and highlights that idea of the choice. Joshua gathered together all the tribes of Israel at Shechem and addressed them saying, Fear the Lord and serve him completely and sincerely. Cast out the gods your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it does not please you to serve the Lord, decide today whom you will serve. The gods of your fathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose country you are dwelling. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord for the service of other gods, for it was the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt and out of a state of slavery. He performed those great miracles before our very eyes and protected us along our entire journey and among all the peoples through whom we passed. At our approach, the Lord drove out all the peoples, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. Therefore, We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Joshua in turn said to the people, You may not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God who will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if, after the good he has done for you, you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods. He will do evil to you and destroy you. But the people answered Joshua, We will still serve the Lord. Joshua therefore said to the people, You are your own witnesses that you have chosen to serve the Lord. They replied, We are indeed. Joshua continued, Now therefore put away strange gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Then the people promised Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey his voice. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem in which he recorded in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, This stone shall be our witness, for it has heard all the words which the Lord spoke to us. It shall be a witness against you, should you wish to deny your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his own heritage. And after these events, Joshua, son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. That reading comes from the book of Joshua. And here, the whole passage, this long passage, is all about the choice. Who will you serve? And make that choice today, and that choice is going to serve as a standard and a witness and a thing to look back on and say, nope, I made that decision. Choose this day whom you will serve to look at all of the things that have happened, not just right now, not just the difficulty that we might be facing right now, but to look back over the history and to remind ourselves of all the things God has done for us, not even necessarily individually, because here are the people who are speaking to Joshua. They're remembering something that didn't even occur to them. It happened to their parents, this flight from Egypt, this salvation from slavery. And yet they make the choice and say, I'm going to look back over all the good that he has done delivering me and my fathers and my forebearers 
from this slavery. And so now I'm, I'm choosing based on things that I have heard the goodness of God, even things that I might not have personally experienced. I'm choosing today who I will serve. And that choice carries them through. And the same is true for us. We choose not just based on the things that we personally have seen. This is the witness of the saints, the witness of the whole history of the church, to look back and see the goodness of God throughout the centuries and to say, ah, based on your faithfulness, based on these stories that I can point to, this history that I own, based on this, yes, I will serve the Lord. Our reading from church history today comes from, uh, from a reading, a treatise on the admirable heart of Jesus by St. John Eudes, whose feast day comes up later this week. It's uh, the 19th. And we hear this. I ask you to consider that our Lord Jesus Christ is your true head and that you are a member of his body. He belongs to you as the head belongs to the body. All that is his is yours. Breath, heart, body, soul, and all his faculties. All these you must use as if they belonged to you, so that in serving him, you may give him praise, love, and glory. You belong to him as a member belongs to the head. This is why he earnestly desires you to serve and glorify the Father by using all your faculties as if they were his. He belongs to you, but more than that, He longs to be in you, living and ruling in you, as the head lives and rules the body. He desires that whatever is in him may live and rule in you, his breath in your breath, his heart in your heart, all the faculties of his soul in the faculties of your soul, so that these words may be fulfilled in you. Glorify God and bear him in your body that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in you. You belong to the Son of God, but more than that, you ought to be in him as members are in the head. All that is in you must be incorporated into him. You must receive life from him and be ruled by him. There will be no true life for you except in him, for he is the one source of true life. Apart from him, you will find only death and destruction. Let him be the only source of your movements, of the actions and the strength of your life. He must be both the source and the purpose of your life, so that you may fulfill these words. None of us lives as his own master, and none of us dies as our own master. While we live, we are responsible to the Lord, and when we die, we die as his servants. Both in life and death, we are the Lord's. That is why Christ died and came to life again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Finally, you are one with Jesus as the body is one with the head. You must then have one breath with him, one soul, one life, one will, one mind, one heart. And he must be your breath, heart, Love, life, your all. These great gifts in the follower of Christ originate from baptism. They are increased and strengthened through confirmation and by making good use of other graces that are given by God. Through the Holy Eucharist, they are brought to perfection.
That reading comes from a treatise on the admirable heart of Jesus by St. John Eudes. And in this, um, I find some great consolation and great hope. Specifically, there's this command that we hear in the Old Testament and that Jesus again repeats in the New. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I hear these, and it's a little bit daunting because I don't even completely and fully understand what it means to love something with my whole self and mind and, and strength and everything else. So how am I to to achieve this love for God so completely when I don't completely even understand what the completeness of my love is? Here, St. John Eudes gives us consolation, hope, and instruction. Everything that is in God All of his faculties, all of his breath, all of his life, he longs to have in us. And so then we come to this place that Paul came to, that the life I live, I no longer live on my own, but it's Christ who lives in me. Now, if that's the case, and I have said, yes, I make this choice, and I want to pursue this life of holiness, and I want to give this litany of humility where I say, Lord, you take over on all of the little moment-by-moment things, now as Christ lives in me, it's his breath, it's his will, it's all of him that is doing the action. So it's easy for me to love the Lord with my whole heart when my whole heart is given over moment-by-moment to say, okay, God, you come in. You, You help me make this make sense. You give me the grace And of course, St. John Jude says that comes beginning in baptism, strengthened in confirmation, and perfected through the use of the other sacraments and in the Eucharist. This is our faith, that we, by baptism, have received a grace of God. By confirmation, that grace has been strengthened. And by frequenting the sacraments, that this is not just actions that we do, but God meets us in those sacraments and gives us our daily bread and our daily grace to then go out and live this life of holiness in this choice, this choice saying, God, I give you everything, and then kind of living that out and letting that grow into fruition as we live this sacramental life. This is something that, that, as Paul says, not that I've already attained it, but this one thing I do, I press forward for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ, right? Uh, we, we aren't there. And, and the saints, even the lives of the saints, as you look at them, they had these moments of, of desperation or of sadness or even of doubt. And yet they always pursued that union with God, not even perfection. That's a side effect. They pursued being in communion and in relationship with the God who loves them. That's the choice. God, I'm going to prioritize this relationship. I'm going to put you above all other things. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show was brought to you by Brandy, Carrie, and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Got an extra special segment for our Patreon supporters, so go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and join their numbers. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.